0: Hello and welcome. My name is Courtney Whitney. I'm a tenacious follower of Jesus, an army wife and a mother to six precious souls, two of whom came to a special delivery from China. We own a big red van that carts our tribe around. On this podcast, we explore stories of ordinary people living bravely. We're so glad you have joined us for this conversation from the BRV. well ladies and gentlemen I have Casey Seacrest am I saying your name right Casey yeah oh my goodness I, I almost got scared like you it's not spelled always the yeah, same way yes. as Casey so yes. yay Casey Seacrest and um she is an adoptive mom and I'm just looking forward to hearing well I'm actually really like well I am too I'm looking forward to hearing the story because I have not heard this story and I'm looking forward to everyone else hearing because I've just really heard the bare bones of it so Casey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your family, married and kids, and what do you do during your days and work outside the home if you don't? All the things. Tell us. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, yeah, I am Casey. I've been married for 17 years to my husband Larry. And we have two uh bio daughters who are 12 and 14. And um and then we had two adoptive children uh, that we adopted from China. Um, Jane was three when we brought her home and Isaac was 11. And um, actually today is Isaac's gotcha day or family oh, day. Oh, I and, um, love that. So, yeah. So we're wow. celebrating number two um, today. Um, yeah. So that's really exciting. And I I was a preschool teacher for years, had started um seminary to get my master's in counseling and then decided I really just wanted to have a family. And so um, since my daughters were two and four, uh, I have been a stay-at-home mom. And five weeks ago, I started my first full-time job Um, and I am the early childhood ministry lead at a big church here in Louisville. And so that has been really fun. Um getting to be in there and loving on all kinds of all kinds of families um and kids. And I love early childhood. So that's been really fun.
0: Okay. All right. You like the little people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's good.
0: Cool. Um, okay. So you live in Louisville, four kids, um, and then married and have you like lived in Kentucky your whole life? Are you a transplant? Oh, yes.
1: That's a good question. Yeah, actually I was born and raised right here in Middletown. Um, I went to college in Birmingham and, um, it's kind of funny. My husband is from Phoenix and we met, uh, as camp counselors in North Carolina. So, um, so we go around a little bit and then (laughs) we uh, we felt called like when we were praying, we, we weren't really sure, like we didn't have like career aspirations. Um, felt very called to ministry. I really had a heart for church planting and had worked with some church planters in college. And, um, and so we were just really praying through that when we were engaged about where we would go when we graduated and just felt called back to my home church. And so that's where we went and we got married there and, um, and we were there for 17 years. Um, and we moved to churches just last November. So, okay.
0: Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Phoenix. That's, I've got lots of family in Phoenix, awesome. <laughs> but I'm from Wisconsin. That's a whole nother talk show. Well, anyway. That's where
1: my sister is. Still- okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like the cold, not so much. Um, all right. So tell us, um, you said kids. So you've got 14. I'm sorry. Did you
1: say 14, 14, 12? Yeah. And then. And then this Isaac is-, is 13. So it's really 12, 13 and 14. I popped. Oh, him in okay. The- <laughs> okay. 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 So
0: tell me, um, Casey, why, like, why did you adopt? Have you always wanted to adopt? Is that just been, you know, people kind of come at it from different mm-hmm. angles. So where, where did you come at it from?
1: Yeah. So I think it's something that had always kind of been on my heart. Like it was a dream, like that I would have loved to have adopted, but I did not think that I was a person that ever could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I think I struggled with the most was just feeling like I didn't have enough resources. And, and I don't even mean, I mean financial resources and space in the house and all of that, but really like emotional, spiritual, mental, physical reserves. Like I just felt kind of maxed out. Um, And so but I used to joke that I didn't love the baby phase. And so I used to say the next time we have a kid, they're going to have to be three when they come out. Um, and so, uh, the, what happened in our journey, something kind of, um, tragic happened, uh, in my life in 2014, that God just really used as a, um, a catalyst to grow me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I stepped out of a lot of the roles that I had volunteering and serving and leading. And both my kids were in elementary school and I was staying at home. And I really just took that year um, to seek the Lord and to um, let him strip stuff away. And um, in 2015, we had a friend who is a physical therapist who went to China with Lifeline Children's Services, which is an adoption agency based out of Birmingham, actually, where Mm -hmm. I went to school. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was supposed to share like for 15 minutes, but our pastor got sick that morning. So she ended up sharing for about 45 about her mission trip that she took with this adoption agency. And, um, she was sharing, um, you know, just about her journey as a physical therapist, assessing the children in the orphanages that our, um, adoption agency partnered with so that the medical files that their, their people back in America were receiving were as accurate as possible. So that's why they yeah. take these medical teams. So they had, they had medical doctors and they also had therapists and, and, um, other types of doctors. And so, um, in the middle of that talk, um, I just remember feeling God audibly say, you have enough, you have more than enough. I was just like bawling my eyes out came home brought it up to my husband this was in may and brought it up to the kids and uh he apparently had always wanted to adopt but never really shared that with me and um one of my kids was like yes she can sleep in my room and the other kid was like no everything will change and so and they were like 4 and 6 at the time <laughs> um so we ended up taking a um a trip in June to Niagara Falls and on the way back, really committed in our hearts um, to the process and and put in our um, application on the 4th of July. And so that's how we started the process to China. And um, people always ask, you know, why China? Um, And I just say like, God calls people to specific places. Like he has Mm -hmm. his people in specific places for specific reasons. And I had always loved China. Like since I was a really little girl, I grew up, um, Southern Baptist. And so Lottie Moon, um, yeah. was a famous married to China. Mm-hmm. And um, I had grown up learning about her and the culture. And I remember my grandparents lived in San Francisco. And when I was five, I got to go out and visit them. Well, when I was five, and then again, when I was eight, and we went to Chinatown in San Francisco, and I was mm-hmm. just mesmerized by Chinatown. And my aunt and uncle had been stationed in Korea. And I had, you know, so I just loved like the Asian culture and mm-hmm. um, just thought they were beautiful and and just you hear about, you just hear about China adoption a lot, um, back in the nineties when, um, there was the one child law and all of that. So, um, but really, I think it was just with our friend Lauren who had, had gone and shared about it. And we were like, we don't feel called to adopt. We feel called to adopt from China. Um, Hmm. so that was the path we started on.
0: Interesting. That's really cool. I didn't, um, huh, that's so good. I did. I did, we also have adopted from China, but I mean, it was a totally different, like, thought process, but I love that. That's really cool. Um, So you also, so China, and then you adopted two children with heart conditions. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So was that the plan all along? Because I, I am familiar, obviously, with the Chinese, you know, how they do some of the stuff, like you kind of have to say, yes, I can handle this particular issue. And no, I can't handle this particular medical issue, whatever. So did you guys, how did that go?
1: Yeah. So when we started the process in 2015, um, the understanding at that time was basically all adoptable children were considered special needs. Um, and originally, we were told that there were a lot of minor special needs, like, oh, what they consider special needs in China is not what we would consider special needs here. Like they might just need glasses, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah that's what we'd like to go for. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. we didn't Mm -hmm. feel called to special needs, you know, in particular. Um, but you do go through a process of, of the list, like you said, where you kind of check off, um, you know, you pray through it and you check off the things that you feel like led to, or like you could handle or that you were comfortable with. And, um, And as we prayed about it, I always say, God just gave us a heart for hearts. We just checked Mm. every heart box. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, again, that's the only thing I can explain is like, we prayed about it and that's what we felt like God said. And so, (laughs) and so we did it. Um, So we checked off some other things too, and, and never saw any of those come through. So we just had this growing thing, like, okay, if it's going to be special needs, it's going to be hearts. So.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. That's really cool. Um, okay. So when did you bring your kids home? How, like, how did that transition go? You told me the year and now I forgot. Is it 15? Is that when you brought it So we home?
1: started, we started the process in 2015 with um, oh, okay. our daughter Jane and mm-hmm. uh, we actually didn't get to bring her home until 2017. Um, oh. So it was a really long process and, and that in itself, is just a real sweet story of, of grace and of growing in the waiting. So, um, so what happens in, in China adoption is, well, there's a couple of ways you can go at it, but the way that we went at it, uh, with Jane was we put in our application, we put together our dossier, which is this big thing of paperwork that you send to China. Right. And then you get logged in to China's system. And, um, Once you're logged in, you can start receiving files from your adoption agency. And so that was the road that we chose because we knew that they had kind of vetted the files and we felt like the information would be more accurate if we waited to get files from our agencies like partnership orphanages. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we did that. And so that was in February and we got files up through April and nothing was anything remotely to anything we had checked off on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing felt like the right the right kiddo. And so on April twenty fifth, um, I guess of twenty sixteen, we I was on Facebook and I came across I had been on a page um, called New Day South. So New Day is a very um, well known kind of American run foster home in China and and they have them in a couple different places. So new day South is in Southern China in Guangzhou. And, um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of homes like that in in China where you can kind of follow the kids on their page. Maybe they have 15 or 16 kids and you can choose to sponsor one of those children because um, it helps to pay for all their needs while they're there, but specifically um, for their surgeries. And so I was on that page and there was a little girl who they called Libby, um, who had just come to the foster home a few weeks earlier. She had just turned two and she had just had her first heart surgery. Um, but she had had some serious complications in the heart surgery. And so they hadn't even started preparing a file for her yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And within a few weeks, like our hearts were fully committed to her. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we waited a really long time, you know, to see pictures or to get updates. Um, it took six months of her healing from this surgery for them to even start the paperwork for her file. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it took another six months for it to be completed. And Uh so, that whole time, that whole year where we could have, um, received files and said yes to another kid and sped up this process. We just felt like she was the one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we waited a whole year, um, to receive her file. And so when we did, it was super excited, exciting. It was in March, just a little bit before her third birthday. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we got to travel, I guess we left the States on June 1st um, and we got Jane on um, June 5th. So okay. that
0: was exciting. Oh, that is really exciting. Okay. Um, and then is it Isaac, your yes. other son? Now, did you adopt them at the same time or two different times? Two okay. different times. Okay. Yes. So Jane was first?
1: Did yes. you adopt
0: her first? Okay. So then how when did you adopt Isaac or like, did you, so tell me how that, that this went. Cause we just went, we just went at the same time. We got both Evan and Poppy and, yeah. them, you know, and ripped the bandaid off. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, whatever. So I've not, you went back, you kind of said, Oh yay, we have Jane and wait a minute, we should go back again. Is that yes. how it went? Or... Yeah, okay.
1: that actually is, is a lot how it went. Um, I remember specifically we were in Guangzhou, um, at the garden hotel uh yep. because this Been is where there. everybody stays and yep. um and so we were really fortunate because Jane was um from that province and so we got to stay there the whole time and while we were out like on the outside at the pool I remembered looking out over the city and going we have to come back like we I feel like we're supposed to come back for a boy um and we had all girls in our family and I had even asked Larry uh when we started the process I was like do you do you want a boy? You know, cause you can like choose, you know? And he's like, he's yeah. like, no, like I want a girl. And so, you know, oh. so we got Jane and it was great. But I, I remember thinking, I remember thinking, gosh, I feel like God is calling us back for a boy because one of the things that I heard a lot while we were waiting for Jane and, you know, we waited a really long time was that in China adoption families wait for girls Because everybody thinks, oh, we're adopting girls from China. Orphanages are flooded with girls. And so they said families wait for girls and boys wait for families. Mm. And um, so that had just really pricked my heart. And um, the bonding with Jane was immediate. I mean, she was just perfect and precious and everything about it was wonderful. And... um, and so I came home and started looking for boys right away <laughs> All so, right, and um, yeah. And started advocating and was praying and um, that probably went on for like a month or I don't know how long, a few months and um, just being watchful and like educating myself about who were these boys who were out there? How long have they been waiting? You know, what are their needs? Started advocating for some of them. I mean, and so the year that we came home is um, a year that another change was made in China adoption, um, which is when they made a rule that you had to have been home a full year before you could even start the process again. So, um, so we knew like that was, I mean, literally like, two weeks after we came home with Jane, that law was passed. And so Mm -hmm. um, we knew it was going to be a whole year. So fast forward um, to June 5th, Jane's first scotch a day. And then on June 7th, Jane had her second heart surgery, which we had planned for. And I was really anxious to have done because we thought it would really improve her Um, improve her health. She had grown, I think she had grown two inches and she hadn't gained a single pound. Mm. Um, And so she was real skinny. Um, Jane was a um, what they call a single ventricle heart. So there's a lot of, like you might hear um, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Like there's a lot of different ways you can have a single ventricle um, and there are surgeries that are done for single ventricle kids. Um, So she had that and she had um, heterotaxy, which is a syndrome that causes a certain clustering of heart defects, but also like she didn't have a spleen. And then there were like her stomach and liver were on the other side of her body and like just Mm. kind of, you know, syndromes are strange that way. Um, But heterotaxy just kind of complicates things. And so, um, we were really looking forward to her oxygen saturations being a lot higher. So, single ventricle kids, their normal oxygen sats. She was sitting at about seventy five all the time. Um, and so, for for us that are like normal functioning heart and lungs, like we're like ninety five, I'm dying, you know. Yeah. But they literally just lived at like seventy five. Mm-hmm. But when you get this second heart surgery, this Fontan, it changes the circulation. And kids can do really, really well and have SATs, you know, in the upper 90s um, mm. and just have very normal functioning lives. And so we were really, really looking forward to that. But we knew like, obviously it was like a 13 hour heart surgery, like mm. major, major surgery, right? Oh my word. Very complex. So, um, so we went in for that heart surgery two days after her first gotcha day and the surgery went well. And right as they were closing her, she had, um, she had an episode and uh, they almost had to put her on ECMO, uh, which is the highest form of, of life support where it kind of gives your organs a total rest. And um, to me, I always said ECMO was a curse word because I had had um, friends in the China heart adoption world who had, had lost their kiddos. Um, And, and people do come off ECMO, but it is like, You just don't want to hear that word. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they managed to keep her off of it. And, um, four days after her surgery, she still was intubated, wasn't doing well. We took, um, x-rays of her lungs and I guess she had literally caught a cold and her lungs were just white. And so Mm -hmm. they did put her on ECMO, um, for 11 days. Um, and so, Um, that journey, we ended up being in the hospital for three months instead of two weeks, um, post-op. We came home for about three weeks and she went into heart failure again. And, um, and then we went back to the hospital for three more months. Um, and we got out of the hospital in October of 2018. Uh, which was really great because we were home for the holidays. She came home on a pick line. Um, You know, things were hard. Things were scary. We were having to do a lot of medical stuff at home. Um, And then in January, we went to St. Louis Children's Hospital to have a stent put in because what had happened to Jane is um, because of her complex heart and her heterotaxy, um, she also had very complex lungs. And... Mm. Two of her pulmonary veins, which, you know, connect the lungs and the heart and oxygenate the blood that circulates throughout your whole body. Two of the four had evaporated, like just disappeared. Um, And so there's not anything that you can do for that, but one of them was very narrow. And so um, we went and had it stented in um, St. Louis because they are top notch for, um, these types of problems, pulmonary mm-hmm. problems and heart problems. And, um, so we came home like mid January and we just hit the ground running. We were like, we're going to get busy living. She moved out of our bedroom. We got her into preschool because she was supposed to have started in August. We got her into hippotherapy, which is horseback riding therapy, yeah. where you're riding a horse, and we just hit the ground running. And she, um, really started to do well. Um, you know, she didn't have pick line anymore. She, she was doing well. And so we'd been home two or three weeks, February 1st. I saw Isaac's picture, um, in my heart group on Facebook, like where all of us heart moms are. And, um, a special group was advocating for him and it was his birthday. Hmm. And I saw his picture and started reading about him. And I went, Oh my gosh, it's him. Like I hadn't even really thought about it obviously. Um in a long time we'd been a little busy. Yeah. Uh so as I had prayed initially for this son that we were open to and and thinking God would bring us one day. Um I felt like he was going to have a similar heart condition. Um I pictured things about his personality. Um and I had imagined his age where he would be um, you know, a little older than my youngest, but because of his language and development, he would actually be like a year behind her in school. And, um, I just knew like when you pray for things and like, God puts things on your heart and then you just keep your eyes open. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I thought really like now, (laughs) My husband basically reacted the same way Yeah, uh, sure. when I told him about it. And he said, look, he was like, okay, I'm on board, but it's all going to be dependent on the kids, you know, cause we were thinking this has been so hard on, on the girls, even on, mm-hmm. on our big girls, you know, with Jane being so sick and it was scary and mom and dad were at the hospital all the time. And, um, you know, I thought they will never want to do this again, you know? So um a couple weeks later we had some friends reach out to us um we go to this wonderful place in Louisville called the Iron Bell and um they do a, prayer, a special prayer ministry there and so our friend Jason came up to us and said hey we've been opening up some slots prayer appointment slots for mm. uh, for our regulars and we really wanted to pray over you and Larry and I was like oh that's perfect i mean they had no idea nobody knew what we were mm. thinking about and Amazing. um so the way these prayer appointments work is that the people who are in on, on pray for you, um, leading up to the prayer appointment, and then they just speak over you what they feel like God has laid on their hearts, whether it's a mm-hmm. scripture or kind of a, uh, a mental picture, you know, uh, metaphorical image or something. And, um, mm-hmm. so it's really, really powerful. And, um, that day Jason was the last to speak and the passage God had laid on his heart was, Um, the story of Joshua um, leading the Israelites to cross the Jordan. And in that story, um, it says that Joshua stepped into the water at flood stage. God said, step into the waters at flood stage and watch me blow back the waters. And Mm -hmm. so it's different, you know, from the parting of the Red Sea where he blew back the waters and then you walked through. Um, This time he's like, step into this raging current um and when you step in in the middle of it I'll blow it back mm-hmm. and that just became his word to us in this adoption process because we had been living at flood stage yeah. and um and so we we were up in Wisconsin actually visiting my sister and uh mm-hmm. in February uh because we like snow. And yeah. um like to know, that's a yeah, great place to go. It's a place like to go. To go. Yeah. Uh, Jane did not like snow, but my big girls okay. do. So okay. um so <laughs> we were up there and and so we talked to the girls each individually about the idea of adopting Isaac. And immediately both of them were like, yes, we have to go get him, start the process now. So on the way home from Wisconsin, we were calling the adoption agency, starting the paperwork and Isaac was home start to finish in nine months.
0: Wow, that was quick.
1: I think that's the fastest that you can possibly get paperwork through and travel. Yeah. So. Um, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, amazing. so pretty amazing.
0: Yep. Wow! Oh my goodness!
1: It's so in- interesting
0: because we have um, we have four bio kids, and um, so we call them the bigs and the littles because <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because we have six kids, and because they're kind of in these weird little groups of bigger kids and little kids. Anyway, but um, at any rate, the our um, our big kids. 'Cause we are currently now pursuing another adoption. And that was actually my not necessarily because of, you know, all the medical issues, but you know, as you know, there's challenges with introducing adopted children, whether they're, you know, physical or mom and dad now have focus on a different child, whatever. Yes. And you know, it hasn't always been roses and sunshine with our, you know, two adopted children. And so I thought our big kids would be like, I don't think we're going to ever do that again. You know? um, I mean, we love them, but that's enough of that. And um, the same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're doing this again. And I'm like, all right, then I guess okay. we're doing this again. I mean, it just, it kind of is, it's fascinating to me how I feel like God, works in their lives as well and um just gives them a heart for for children who are in need of parents as well so anyway it's just a that's really cool i love that your Mm -hmm. your daughters were in it um so um i guess as we you know your story just you told me that your story contains some pretty intense heartache and um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that this is going to be kind of an intense moment, but so you said that you eventually ended up losing Jane Mm -hmm. and, um, you want to just, whatever you feel comfortable talking about with that, do you want to unpack that for us? How did like what happened or, um, should say, or, and then how did you kind of process through that, all that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. So people often ask us, and I'm happy to tell them, they often ask us, um, did you, did you know like that she was that sick or that Mm -hmm. she could die or um, whatever? And, and the short answer is yes. Um, And that to me is a, is the beautiful part of the story that God would um, call us to something so hard and yet make us so full of joy uh, in the process. And so before I, I will share um, about, you know, the last the last year of Jane's life, um, she passed away last August. Um, so just over a year ago. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about you know, that long wait when we would get updates about her, um, her health. So what happened in, um, in her surgery when she was two was that she basically suffered a brain bleed or a stroke, um, during that heart surgery. And so it caused her to have, muscle flaccidity. Um, so some people know it as like floppy baby syndrome. Some kids are just born with low tone. Right. Um, yeah. She basically just became very flaccid, very floppy. So even though she was walking before um, she no longer you know, could walk, she couldn't sit up, she couldn't grasp things, um, all of that. So um, she relearned all of that. By the time we got there a year later, you know, she was walking and doing beautifully. Um, but as a preschool teacher and somebody who worked with two-year-olds specifically for seven years, um, I could immediately see um, her low tone everywhere throughout her body. Um, so anyway, they they told us about these medical issues um, and they were very concerned about her, but they couldn't give us any kind of details, you know, but but they were very concerned. Um, She didn't look great. And, and they wanted to make sure that she was going to be well enough to even start her file. And I specifically remember I'm a big journaler and I, I journal a lot by hand, but Mm. I journal a lot in like word documents during those 11 months waiting for Jane. And I specifically remember typing out, but what if she dies? Mm. Um. And it was this moment of surrender that it really is better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all, um, that there's no greater love than to lay your life down um, for another um, and that it's worth it. And that's a, a hashtag you see a lot in the China adoption world. It's worth it. We could have missed this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the passage that God gave to me and he would break down pieces of it you know is is from hebrews 12 where it says fix your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of your faith for who the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and then sat down at the right hand of the father and so first it was fix your eyes on jesus Like, don't Mm. look to the left or the right, like, don't look at timelines, Mm. don't look at medical diagnoses, just fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Also that he was the author and the perfecter of my faith. The only way my faith would be perfected was if I just kept saying yes to whatever it was he was calling me to, Mm. Um, you know, you start flexing your faith muscles and then you, they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then the last part was the, the, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so just finding the joy, so much joy through the suffering
0: that mm-hmm. there is
1: beauty that comes from ashes that, you know, I think it's CS Lewis who talks about, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the manure if you're going to have the flowers, um, mm-hmm. that they're, they they can't be separated, the joy and the suffering. Um, they are always intertangled and intermingled. And, and there is no other way to share in his glory than to share in his sufferings. Mm-hmm. And so um, that just kind of became my mantra. And it was interesting, we, we had selected her name, Jane, before we even started the process, because Jane means God's gracious gift and, uh, or God's gift of grace. And so Mm -hmm. we had chosen that name before we even started the process and knew who she was. And then, um, that December I was reading some articles and God made it very clear that her middle name, um, was to be joy. And so she was Jamie joy. Um, and, uh, and when she got sick, we made a Facebook page called joy for Jane. Um, and so, um, that has been our mantra through the whole thing, um, is, is joy. Um, but Isaac came home, see, we landed in on November 2nd, we landed back in the States and, um, the middle of December, um, Jane started, uh, vomiting blood or coughing up blood. Um, Mm -hmm. and we had seen that before. Um, but she had been doing really well. And I just was like, Nope she's fine. Like we know how to manage this at home. Like there isn't anything they would have done. We're not going to the hospital. Um, And so we had a great Christmas and then we went to great wolf lodge um, because my girls love that place. And Mm. Jane had never been, they couldn't wait to take Isaac and we had a great trip. And then as soon as we came back, um, went to the hospital and had lots of tests done, came home. She was getting worse. Um, Went back in February did the last bit of tests and um, and that's when we had the talk with the team that it was time um, to go into hospice care. So mm-hmm. um, they gave her six months, um, and we came home in February, and um, you know had some really good weeks, um, really good weeks, and celebrated her birthday and mm-hmm. celebrated her sister's birthday. Their, their birthdays were a day apart. And um, we got to take a trip to the beach to see cousins. And um, we we got to choose how we were gonna spend um, her last days. And, um, and we had the whole summer together. Um, the unique part of that story, I think a really unique part that I like to tell people about is, um, in January, my husband was laid off from his job that he had been at for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I tell, when I tell parts of this story, I think, oh my gosh, like it almost knocks the wind out of me. Like, how did I survive that? But then yeah. I'm like, but it was really great. So, um, so what mm-hmm. happened was he was laid off. Like we actually found out in December that he was going to you know, be done in January. Jane went into hospice care in February and the world shut down in March, um, with COVID. Um, and it, it was actually the most amazing thing ever because he got a six month severance package and it Mm -hmm. lasted through her whole hospice time. Um, of course everybody was getting, you know, money from the government at that time as well. And so those six months, the first, basically like first six months that Isaac was home with us, the last six months Jane was with us, we were all trapped at home provided for. Um, and I just felt like that was a really sweet gift, um, that I will never forget. Like, I'm really, really thankful for that because if I had had to go through that and my husband could not have been home, um, that would have been very, very hard. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so Isaac wasn't even home a full year, you know, before Jane passed, I had one mother's day, um, as a mother of four, it was Isaac's first and Jane's last. Um, but, but the hospice program was a very sweet, um, awesome support, um, during that time. And, um, we were blessed by a lot of friends, you know, taking care of us. They, um, blessed us. Elizabeth was part of a Christmas in July that they threw for us. And, um, just so many sweet moments that were intermingled with the hard. So, um, another part of the story I wanted to tell you, since you said I could just go, please. I I yeah. I might, I might show you since we're on video here. Um, sure. So another really sweet thing when Jane was in the hospital um I I applied by faith I said uh for the Cosair Children's Playhouse giveaway. So Cosair Children's is an amazing, you know, um medical uh charity here in Louisville and um Jane had been blessed by their giving many times our physical therapy was through that and they make these amazing playhouses and they they have somebody who builds them um and and they'd always built them off site and then like driven them into the the person's backyard and then had to drop it in their backyard and these are like this is not a shed this is like a heated air conditioned massive playhouse So I had applied to win that, like, while she's on ECMO, this is by faith, like (laughs) she's going to come out of ECMO. Mm.
0: Well, she didn't
1: get it. And in June during COVID, or actually it was in April during COVID, they called and asked if we would apply for it because they said we had been like second in line. I guess they hadn't had a lot of people applying. And so I did. And Jane was chosen um, to get this playhouse and so, um, you know, April, May, and the beginning of June, everybody's at home, like, with nothing to do. And she would plaster herself, we'll stand on the deck or plaster herself to the window and watch her workermen um, come and build this huge house in our backyard. And so um, she she had a really awful episode in May. And we thought, we really thought we were going to lose her on Memorial Day. And So I called Cosair and I'm weepy and, um, you know, I hadn't told them that she was in hospice care and um, and I just told them how special this has been, you know, and what a great memorial it was going to be even when she was gone. And um, so they finished it up in June, -June, mid-June. And so she had a couple months that she got to go out there um, and play. But um, it's become Jane's garden. It's got all kinds of beautiful, like, flowers around it. We planted milkweed, and we had 20 monarch butterflies um, this year that that came, caterpillars that came, and um, we've just, it's just been such a sweet space that we've decorated for her, but I'll try and, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it, that big yellow house? Oh
0: my goodness, that looks like a neighbor. It's so yeah, big.
1: it is. Oh. We call it, it's like a tiny house. So, yeah. I mean. um, it's sweet and we call it Jane's house and it's got mm. signs that say Jane's house and it's got oh. special things inside that help us remember her. And my girls tell all their friends about her, you know, when they have sleepovers out there and um, mm. that's just been a really, really sweet gift. So lots mm. of sweet things.
0: Wow. Mm. Oh, Casey. I like,
1: I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever evolved on a
0: podcast before, but I was real close. <laughs> oh my goodness that is so intense and I I just love that you brought up the you know well when you were talking about like why did you do this even though you knew that there's a good chance that she you know she might not be there with you forever and you know just like yeah that's like really Sharing in Jesus' sufferings and his glory. I think we like to leave out the suffering part. Right. And this was in the saying, okay, well, if this is how the suffering has to go, then this is this is it. But yeah. but you also said it was so much joy. And I think sometimes we get we generally, you know, happiness and joy are not the same thing. Right. Joy is so much deeper. And um it's not circumstantial. So right. yeah. wow. Um so kind of you know, if if there are people listening who might be either walking through a similar situation or they have a friend who's walking through this kind of a situation, do you have any words for them? Mm any thoughts any ways to love somebody who who might be dealing with this kind of grief or or someone who can or a friend I think that's another challenge if for those of us who have not experienced that kind of intense like grief how do you love somebody well who you want to and I find myself in those situations when I'm the friend thinking, I, I don't know what to do. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to love you. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I always tell people that, um, I'm still that way because Mm -hmm. I feel like every person is so different and we all experience grief so differently Mm -hmm. that, um, And, and, you know, my loss, um, losing her was really, really hard. I watched a lot of suffering, but Mm -hmm. a sudden loss, um, where you have no time to prepare is a different kind of tragic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so all of our losses are so different and everybody is so unique. But the one thing that I always tell people, um, is that it all matters. Like it all counts. Mm -hmm. So There's nothing that anybody could have done to, um, take our situation away, but there were things that they could do to bring a smile. And like, anytime somebody would stop by our house, um, to drop something off, uh, it brought so much light to us and like, you know, Jane might not have even cared much about it, um, Mm -hmm so it was really about taking care of us because we were taking care of her. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? So um, I used to be very paralyzed by the fear that like, what if I send something and like, it's not their thing. Like Mm -hmm. they don't really like it Um, or it didn't really meet a need or they never eat that or whatever, but it was, it really was the thought, the thought that counted. So.
0: Yeah. That someone cared and they were showing that, however they feel like they could. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. That's, I mean, that's really good. So, and then to those who might be listening, you know, um, that maybe they've contemplated adoption and maybe they've considered a medically fragile child. Maybe they haven't like, um, you know, why would you say, yeah, do it. Or like, why not? Or yes, or no, or consider this before you do it. Or what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would just obviously say pray, uh, Mm. because I find that God's ways are not our ways. So Mm. if we try to use human reason as to why we would or wouldn't do something, uh, that's not always the best train of thought, I guess, Mm. because there were a lot of times where I would say, you know, I don't think anybody could say anything to me that I hadn't already said to myself. Like, are you crazy? Like, do you really think this is the right time? Like, do you have Mm. the money for that? Like, Mm. I don't know. I had already thought those things. Um, But the thing that I often tell people is uh, if you have an intense desire to do it, like a desire to do it, but fear is holding you back, then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that the desire, uh, to do good, that desire to do that thing that God would want you to do that. Um, if the only thing that's holding you back is fear, then it's probably the thing you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, cause Satan is trying to stop us from, mm-hmm. from doing the good thing. So, um, yeah just yeah. Pray. <laughs> okay I mean that's
0: it's not like it should necessarily have to be anything super blah. um I just think that that's totally true because I I love that you brought up you know God's ways are not our ways and yes there's been especially I feel like I've gotten some feedback from people who don't necessarily know Jesus you know and they look at me like you are straight crazy, and yeah. that's fine. I, I'm I'm straight crazy, but I mean just because it does not make any sense. So yeah. it it just doesn't make sense, but um yeah. not in our brains. Um, so anything final, Casey, that you kind of want to throw out there? Um, something you might want people to remember or um, if anything, like if you had two minutes to kind of leave something with people, what would you say?
1: I think the thing that's, that's on my heart and mind right now is, is some friends of mine who, um, you know, have had very difficult roads in their adoption journey and things haven't always ended the way that they had dreamed up in their minds. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think I just say that the road to adoption is, um, is a refining one
0: oh, and,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it's really, it's never about you mm. or the child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always about us being changed, um, mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the process. And I think that the neat thing I used to be really passionate about, you know, like uh, marriage counseling, like early marital, you know, stuff, and we talk about marriage as like a full-length mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And it's reflecting back your spouse is reflecting back to you all of the ick, and you're like, oh, mm. now I see myself for who I really mm. am. Mm. Um, and then when you have children, um, it's a different level of refinement. Mm. But when you adopt children, and it, then it's a different level um even beyond that. And and I think it's beautiful because you see that in scripture that God calls himself our husband. And and there's this picture of Christ in the church and marriage. And then he's our perfect father. But then mm. salvation is he's adopted you as sons and he's mm. called you heirs. Um and he's grafted you in. You know, those who are far away and were not are now brought near and are and you are, you called are um and so uh I just love seeing that picture of the gospel um, and the way that we live out our lives and, and, family. So, yes.
0: Oh, that is so beautiful. Casey. I didn't think through the levels of refinement. I don't know what you, you would call it. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird. Like it's like, well, now you're going to the next level, yeah. but, um, but it is, There's, or facets maybe is a better way to put yeah. that just facets of refinement that he can use to to work on us but um well thank you Casey that was so beautiful thank you for being so vulnerable thank you for sharing just like intense stuff and really hard stuff but you know the beauty from ashes like you talked about thank you for sharing that piece as well so yeah. for um, yes I'm very much looking forward to everyone hearing this so well thank you and enjoy your weekend (laughs) okay thanks (laughs) bye-bye thank you for listening to this conversation from the brb we hope you enjoyed the discussion and that it inspires you to live out your own brave story